In 2015, 55% of the world's population lived in urban centers, a number that will increase to 68% by 2050, according to the UN. Today, half of the world's urban population lives in cities with more than 500,000 inhabitants and many with little daily access to nature. Just before the pandemic hit New York in March, I started Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, or CBT, something I had wanted to try for some time, and it was great in helping me to structure my day and focus my energy to get the most out of work and play. With new restrictions in place, I discussed the role of nature in our mental health with Dr. Meredith Hempel-Gruden from City Center Psychotherapy in New York City and how we can prepare for the winter. Good morning, Meredith. Thank you so much for your time and for being with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Your work is beautiful. Thank you. So during quarantine, I found myself missing nature most, as well as my relationship with it. And I thought that maybe there is a noticeable negative impact on those of us who live in cities, who are deprived of being in contact with the natural world. Um, have you observed any damaging effects of this on your patients or on people you encounter? I've seen it in myself. Um, and I, I do think there is a trend in it overall. And it makes a lot of sense to me, um, you know, both, you know, in a personal way, as I, I think through what I've been feeling and in a professional way, as I think about what I know about the effects of anxiety and what can um, sort of generate more anxiety. And I think what we had, and this is the way I would look at it as a therapist, what we had in our urban lives before the pandemic was a lot of protective factors that protected us from feeling high levels of stress or anxiety. Now, some of us did, but we still had these outlets that made us feel like we were surrounded this is really about so much of it's about um, environmental psychology um, that we were surrounded by pleasant outdoor experiences, whether they be um, going outdoors to something like a museum or into nature by either hiking or going on walks or um, venturing out, you know, in an easy way. Now, with the pandemic, um, some of those things are not available to us anymore. And all of a sudden, the things about urban living that we all knew were difficult become more so. You know, you don't have a lot of space. You're you're there with your loved ones who you do love, but yeah. there's not enough. There There's not enough, you know, sort of. Uh, it's never been meant for a place that you both work and play and have family time and hang out. Um, and so it becomes, feels more cramped and there's probably, and there is that desire to go out and there are fewer options. Um, so I think that's anxiety provoking in, in itself. And I definitely felt that, um, you know, sort of noticed it professionally for sure. Um, and I think there are a lot of things that can be done to counterbalance that, but I think we can only start thinking about those when we at first acknowledge that, yes, this is happening. If you are one of those people that's feeling more anxiety or just a little bit more unease, um, you're not alone. Right, right. Um, when we are at one with nature, there is an intimacy that is hard to achieve in a public park. 
Do you think this lack of urban privacy, both indoors and outdoors, is contributing to our anxiety? Well, what I can say is, you know, the things that are beneficial about nature are if it's absorbing, um, if it's if you're kind of immersed in a, a different way of knowing. Um, so if you're experiencing something viscerally, if you are and you're really um, slowing down. Um, by observing and participating in something that has a different pace to it. And so that can only really happen, yes, when you aren't still in that sort of urban life quite as much. So, you know, um, nature, nature, yes, it, it, it does sound like that would be something that would be more conducive to that for you to be, you know, just um, taking beauty, slow down. Um, you know, actually some of this is very much about mindfulness, look and take in everything around you without even trying to interpret it or, or make sense of it. It's a different kind of thinking. It's actually, there was a book that I wanted to mention to you by Alan Lightman, and he talks about a wandering kind of thinking versus Mm -hmm. a directed attention that you have um, when, um, oh, actually it's in praise of wasting time. I apologize. Um, But he talks about a wandering kind of thinking instead of this directed um, thinking that we do so much of our work lives and days. And I think that urban living actually kind of promotes. um, So to have an escape from that is actually working with our human capacity so it's really important to be able to do that and I think often we kind of that can be overlooked if we don't kind of seek out opportunities like being in nature nature to do that right Mm -hmm. and we do lead these hyper-focused lives as you were saying Mm -hmm. so how can we capture the effect of being in nature of being protected in our intimate spaces in an urban environment. Offices might not reopen and schools just closed again. So now that we are heading into winter and we are going to be spending even more time indoors, are there any urban activities that we can do to give us the benefit of being in nature? Mm -hmm. You know, I think you're... um so wise for thinking about preparing because that actually is something that is so important to do I think in any winter season but let alone winter and pandemic coming up Mm -hmm. um and uh yes I think there are things to do I I think we can um um both make our indoors more pleasant and introduce things that we know that might be um, calming that bring in some nature they're you know they're you can actually just by bringing in flowers and plants, that soothing quality, while it's not all absorbing, like we talked about, is there by just inviting it in and making that environment more pleasant and beautiful and, and to us. Um, it, there can be opportunities actually in the city. I mean, it, it you could um, really think about um, how to experience the city and your normal walks during the day and going to your local parks um, at different times in the day where it might be quieter 
Um, that can be something that really allows for, for that uninterrupted experience. I love morning walks before the city wakes up. Um, and that can be something that can be really magical for somebody. Um, it can be if thinking about as you map out the city, actually exploring it, you know, not just hibernating, which I think we all think about doing in winter, but exploring it with these kind of little jewels in mind. Like, are there these spaces that we've been talking about where you won't bump into somebody and you can kind of explore? Um, I used to live in Washington Heights where there are a great number of, um, you know, uh, parks by the water that are just beautiful and are very quiet and you can hear the water lapping and mm -hmm. you can see the bridges and you can see the city and you can hear this like sort of this hum of the city, but you're also perfectly quiet and you can hear birds and all and see just these lovely parks all around you. So there are parts in the city that are like that. And if you kind of have this explorer mentality, you actually could spend the winter just having spending some, some of your time doing what you used to do pre-pandemic, going out, but going out in a different way. Observing deeply will make an interaction. Yes, right? exactly, exactly. You know, you you kind of can think about what might there be to wander around in a place you haven't been before that is outside and might be um, a new a new experience to observe. Um, and and go there without any expectations, go there prepared. Mm -hmm. One thing I, um, I would say is to make any of these experiences pleasant. We also think about just having the nuts and bolts of things that make it okay for you, like a snack and water and a backpack. So you can spend unhurried time there. Um, so you don't have to rush home because oh, it's, it's drizzling and you need to go back. No, if you have a raincoat, yes. you can pee there and just, I don't know, notice what the birds are doing or the squirrels are like or things around you. And of course, you can do that outside the city too. If you feel comfortable having little day trips, you can be doing that by going to places to hike or walk around as well. But even in the yes. city, you can do that here. There is that possibility, I think. Any places that come to mind? Oh, like I said, in Washington Heights, um, I, I lived around 181st Street, and there's an overpass that goes right onto the water on the west side, and it's a little red lighthouse area. It's beautiful, and if you can walk up and down it, you, you can also go to Fort Tryon Park, which is lovely, um, and that usually is less busy than, say, Central Park. I mean, I know there are places also in Central Park that are really nice and quiet you know we think of at least I think of when I think of Central Park is usually the Central Park of the 50s and 60s which is tends yeah. to be more busy but you go further up and there are these trails and there are lots of things there's I think on the high 100s there's the Rose Garden area which is which is very very quiet and and mm -hmm. it's just a lovely find. You know, there's so many things in the city that where there are these layers of history too. And I think that's what makes nature in in New York City so special too. You yes. can kind of see that. So this garden, you can tell that it was made with sort of um, French gardens in mind, you know, and Parisian sort of design. 
and and it's very cool to walk through. <laughs> well, I think in all of our man-made environments, seeking aesthetic elements is essential. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you think about also the things that are man-made that are trying to echo nature, which we can go out and get, there's so many, just how many people to go to sleep at night, listen to water, listen to rain or water lapping on the shore. Well, we can go out and get that. Um, and yes. and that's something that I think it's it, it shows that we know somewhere that this is deeply common to ourselves. Um, so it's, it's important to remember that. And I think also in winter, there can be this feeling that, you know, winter can kind of take over and control you and what you can do and limit what you can do. And, and that can feed into the anxiety you feel. It can also feel it feed into depression. Yes. Um, so to counterbalance that by saying, actually, I'm going to be doing some activities that show my quote unquote mastery and that I won't be, I will be going out and doing things, um, you know, respecting and acknowledging that, that it's cold and it's different but still doing some things despite the changes in season. Is that a who gave principle? Yes, it is. I've been in preparation for this. I've been reading this book, how to, uh, you know, and about Nordic living. And it's all about this idea of, um, you know, the, your environment, um, being so important to your um, overall well-being and how obviously it's Nordic um, in its origin. Mm -hmm. So it's all about, um, it's remarkable really that this is happening even uh, that this idea um, is um, developed with people who obviously are mostly talking about winter conditions. So it's all about preparation. It's all about, um, and, and, in an acknowledgement of that we are people, uh, human beings need to be active and need to unplug. And so go out and do that thing. Are there any indoor activities that you recommend that can have a positive effect on our anxiety or stress levels? Absolutely. I think uh, apart from what we're talking about with the effect of me, you know, I mentioned um, how one of them is mindfulness and I think mindfulness and meditation can be done indoors as well obviously and it's something that can be really key to stress reduction so if you don't have an app like calm or headspace um, I, I think it's a really good um, thing to be thinking about a practice to be thinking about another one is to get um, a, a lamp a, a seasonal effective lamp um, which you can find on Amazon You use it for yeah. 20 minutes a day and that can make, uh, that's shown to have the positive benefits of giving you more energy in your day, lifting your overall mood. Um, so that can be something that really helps. Um, and with de-stressing, I think what's important also is just thinking about how to structure your day and time. It's harder to do in this pandemic, but so important, you know, when you're finished with work for the day, closing that laptop, um, uh, unplugging from your devices and spending time with the people around you, if you have them around you, it, it can make you feel um, sort of more grounded. Um, and, and that can be a huge stress reduction too, because we're finding in study after study that people are working longer 
Um, and yeah. their moods are being affected by doing that in the pandemic. So we really want to curb that. Um, we're social beings and we, we need to be talking to people and being with people if possible. Yes. Um, one of the positive effects of this pandemic is that we are spending more time with our intimate family. Have you seen relationships that have improved? Yes, I actually do. I, I agree. I do think some have improved. I, I certainly have noticed with my um, own children, you know, they were involved in a lot of extracurriculars and things that I thought were good for them in terms of their development as children. But it also meant that they were often tired at the end of the day, and it meant that we had less of time together. You know, I was also commuting, so I there was actual less time at home and away from work. Um, to have that extra time with them in a sort of unstructured, you know, I said structure before, but in an unstructured way, in the way that you can play with them, you know, just, it's not all about, okay, let's have dinner and now let's get ready for bed because that's really all the only thing we have time for. There is this unstructured nature to it and playfulness. So the amount of time has really been lovely for my kids. And I've heard it from my other clients as well, that it's been just a lovely feature right now of, you know, being able to do more. Um, so I think some people have been hoping to find a way to, you know, have fewer distractions to their days, spend more time with their loved ones. And they certainly can do that right now. And, um, you know, even if they don't live with those people, there's, there's a feeling of if you're having a phone call or FaceTime at the, or a Zoom call right now, it's intentional. There's an intentionality with it that there didn't used to be. Um, so, you know, I, I think people are also feeling that, um, that maybe their circles of people they're interacting with have narrowed, but the quality of time they spend with those people is deepened in some cases. For sure, because we are going for quality over quantity mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. You mentioned mindfulness before. Are there any particular apps you recommend? There, there are so many. I think one thing I would say is there are different types of meditations and mindfulness exercises that some people might find more um, calming or centering to them than others. Mindfulness, I should say, first off, it's not just about um, relaxing you. It's a common um, misconception that you know you engage in the meditation in order to feel um, de-stressed. And then when someone doesn't feel immediately distressed, they can give up on it. It's really about centering you, noticing the quality of your, your mind and giving you that space to um, sort of notice and accept what's going on in the here and now. And as a, you know, sort of a secondary consequence of that, often people do feel more relaxed, but to go into it saying, I'm doing this to be relaxed can kind of sometimes set up people who are feeling anxious with feeling more anxious. So I just want to say that. And then there are different types of meditations. There are ones that, um, Are, are really body focused about what's going on in the body. Um, and they're ones that are about um, focusing on an image um, or an experience. So um, the common apps that you could go to like Headspace or Calm or Budify, 
Um, again, it's B U G G H I F Y. Um, are ones that will have elements of all these different kinds of meditation. And, and people can go to them and say which one suits them. The great thing about some of these also is they're different lengths of time, and some of them are during the day. Um, so, for instance, Buddhify's app has meditations to do at work. Um, so everyone can spend, you know, five to ten minutes just listening to one of these in the middle of their work day. And then all of a sudden, uh, the intention is for the quality of their thoughts and their mind to to change slightly so they do feel a little de-stressed in the middle of the workday. Thank you so much, Dr. Rudin. This has been extremely helpful. Any last thoughts? I, I guess what I would say is it is what I would say to anybody who is looking ahead to winter with a little bit of a sense of dread or, you know, or, or, you know, our concern. Um, I think there is a difference between um, feeling that you're really predicting that it will be very difficult and preparing um, in, in knowledge that it, it will be a change to your schedule. So I would recommend, you know, be prepared. Think about what's likely to happen. You know, you're likely to be indoors more. Um, but um, when you find yourself getting that sense of either low mood or dread, remember some of this is within your control. So what is within your control? Yeah. That's what we're talking about today. And I hope people will go after that thing and actually start it, start those new routines. If there are some new ones that they think are helpful and we talked about here, start them now so that they become habits by the time it really does become cold. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Dr. Rudin. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us today. For detailed information about books and apps mentioned in this podcast and a printed version of this interview, please visit my blog at pdlcbotanica.com. Palula, signing off. Until next time, ta-ta.